Dzień dobry, dzieci! It is the Flurza Experience, a show about Gwent, but so much more. I'm joined by... I didn't... I, I forgot to come up with a new one for you. Um, let's, let's see. The... Um, the, have I called you the cannoli commander yet? Yes. I have called you the cannoli commander. I am. You're running out of them. I oh, am. Oh, no. Oh, no. The emperor of eclairs. Oh. Is that a good one? Wow, eclairs. <laughs> oh, now I feel like eating an eclair. Yeah, well, that would be you, Mr. Pavel Berger. It's nice to Thank have you. you here, buddy. Thank you. Hello, Flake. How you doing, man? I'm I'm getting better. I was uh, sick under the weather for the past little while. Yeah. And, haven't left the house in approximately eight days other than to check the mail downstairs, of which Ugh. no mail has arrived. So I, f I feel isolated no, 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 and lonely. No singles? No, 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 no cars? Nothing? No? Well, I did purchase. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, because I'm weak inside. I saw a deal. There's like very few Star Wars cards that I'm missing. And my, my objective now is not necessarily to just... Because they, they're they've been out of print for like twenty years, but I've uh -huh. I've just tried to collect to complete com complete sets. So there was one card that I was missing that was pretty valuable, and not okay. only is it pretty valuable, but it's very playable too. So I was like, Ooh. shoot, I really want this card because if I do want to just shuffle up and make a deck, it's a very playable and strong card that I want to have. So it's you know it's it's pretty expensive. It's like you know 40 bucks for the card or whatever and i'm like yeah. i couldn't justify just jamming 40 bucks for a card that was going to go in a binder that you know but somebody was selling uh on like the facebook marketplace for star wars cards selling that card plus a whole bunch of others and i asked i said hey how much are you selling this card for and he said 20 dollars." i said oh Ooh. that is that's a per that's like half the price of what i was expecting to pay so i was like great and i'm like hey out of curiosity how much you letting the rest of the stuff go for? And he just did some calculations. He's like, "Well, altogether, it's worth about two fifty. I said, "Would you take two hundred bucks for everything?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So I was like, "Sold." So that kind of. Nice. So I'm waiting for those. Those singles are on the That's way. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, amazing. It's just it was one card. It's like you go to the grocery store for milk and you show up coming home with like twenty grocery bags full. I'm like, yeah. That's... But that's how it is with buying cards. I have the same thing. I I I'm looking for let's say one or two copies of a card, right? And instead of that, I'm like, ooh, I'll get one of these. And what about this deck? Maybe I need to buy this. Oh, I need this for my sideboard. Oh, maybe this, that, and and it starts kind of piling up. But also makes more sense because you pay for shipping once, right? Well, Only once for that's, shipping, right? That's that's precisely it. You get when? caught into that whole. You know, like I'll find something on eBay, and I'm like, "That's a good deal for this card or whatever." So yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, you'll you'll place the bid, and then you're like, "Let's check what else is in this guy's store," because I'm combining yeah. the shipping anyways. Why? What am I a sucker? No, I'm gonna do this the right way. I'm gonna get all my all my ducks in one basket, and you I know, do the same. So I do the same. I think it's everybody. If it's, I think it's almost everyone who buys singles. Like no one just goes out and buys like one card unless you're 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 buying four copies if you're playing magic of a card and maybe but still you're thinking like four cards i still got to pay for shipping maybe i'll add something more it also depends on how expensive they are because there are some cards that you know will throw you into i don't know a couple hundred even so after that you probably don't want to add anything more but i mean get shipping costs once that's and you have all the cards you need that's Perfect. the attractive part that's the trap that i fall into and then uh what else? Oh, I just randomly was like, um, 
it's a new a new flesh and blood ban and and restricted announcement came yeah, out so yeah so i was kind of like okay i i know kind of where i want to pivot in terms of what i want to play next but i was missing some pieces so i found somebody locally who was selling one card that i needed you know and then mm-hmm. i was like and then again what else you got so that turned in, <laughs> that turned into another like 150 dollar uh investment because the dude's prices were excellent like you know and you have to capitalize on that kind of thing where Otherwise, you never know because in this, it's like a marketplace, right? Like it's it's like a stock market. So if something is valued across, you know, the common logic is a card is worth a hundred bucks. You're like, fine, you know, like you're that's what you're expecting to pay. If you see it somewhere for seventy, you're like, okay, like you have to pounce on that because it might go up, it might go down. But if it goes down, you're still you're still ahead of the game to a degree. But Anyway. Yeah, we should totally we should totally do an episode about um, physical versus you know digital. Oh, like, talk about card games. Like oh, I feel like that's a, that's a strong topic that we could discuss because there's there's a lot of things that go into the, the physical, but there's a lot of things that physical card games uh, can't do, which the digital card games can do, especially when it comes to balance and stuff like that. Well, balance yeah, um, for sure is one of the issues. Yeah. But we yeah, I would love to do it. We can we can do that next week for sure. Deal deal we have a topic for 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 next week okay um so going back on track let's stick to the script yeah right sure. uh, this is episode 14 14 yeah 14. Uh, what's our what's our number 14 uh you know uh fun fact of the day well the number 14 uh in terms of just from the sporting world which has gripped me all my life number 14 was worn by uh, pete rose pete rose is the major league baseball hit king the most career hits ever is pete rose at 4256 now if you if you hit 3000 hits in your career it is a league-wide celebrated milestone it is like instant hall of fame credentials so only the very select few in the world have ever hit 3000 hits pete rose have hit has hit 4256 now the fun thing about this is that Pete Rose is also lifetime banned from Major League Baseball, meaning he can never be in the Hall of Fame. He can never attend a game. He can never do anything. He is banned from Major League Baseball for life because as after like in late in his career, as he was managing teams, Mm -hmm. he was betting on those games. And oh, then God, lying no. about it for decades and decades and decades. Isn't it somewhere in their contract that they cannot do that? No, they right? can't. Obviously, no? so, yeah. They can? Okay. No, no, no. They wow. cannot. They cannot. They are oh, not they allowed. Okay. Yeah, no, no. They're they can't bet on on games. So Pete Rose was caught betting on baseball, lied about it, and then was um, after it was proven that he did, um, like without a shadow of a doubt, he uh, was banned from baseball and continued to deny it well into his like late 60s early 70s i think he's like 80 now 81 and when uh i think the the way that it used to work for hall of fame inductions it's that you're on like a ballot for x amount of years or or Mm -hmm. or, either way long story short his eligibility i think for for it was like going to expire and even though his name wasn't on the ballot because he was banned i think the, the the rules of his eligibility still stand whereas like only x amount of years anyways long story short he eventually wrote a book admitting (laughs) to it 
and okay. being like, woe is me, this was my own personal hell, lying about made this. made a lot of so money many... on the book. Yeah, of course you made move. a lot of money on the book. You made a lot of money on the book, not to mention he was constantly, like, he he begged and pleaded to the, the current um, commissioner to be like, can you please unban me? Like, I've learned my lesson. I've come clean. And then, and, and then the commissioner's like, dude, you're, co- you're consistently endorsed by gambling websites. You, you, you go to, like, Vegas and gambling establishments to promote your book. Meanwhile, you're talking about how you're, you're remorseful for gambling on baseball, but you're like, it's like, <laughs> no, get out of here. Like, it's, so it's just fascinating that, in in the grand scheme of baseball, this is what I, I don't mean to get on a tangent here, but in the grand scheme of baseball, some of the greatest players, b- b- head and shoulders, the record holders for home runs, for hits. These are players that are never going to be in the mem- in, in the major league Hall of Fame because of stuff they've done outside of their career, so to speak, like it, outside of baseball as a skill set. Barry Bonds never going to be in there. He has the most career home runs. Pete Rose, never going to be in there. Most career hits. Roger Clemens, never going to be in there. Most, like, career Cy Young awards. Ouch. Like, it's it's ridiculous, but it's just hilarious that baseball is such a, it's such a, uh, like, this s- mystical sport of history and, and respect well, and tradition. <laughs> and then the best players to ever play it are not in the Hall of Fame because of uh, dumb stuff that they've done. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it goes for every sport. If you're too dominant... Sometimes something has to always be behind it. I kind of feel, or either it's a personality thing, or I don't know. I I get we get the same thing in, in cycling. Like we get like the legends are kind of. I mean, you don't have to like look far. You have Armstrong, who has been the biggest like doping scandal in in it, and um yeah, like overuse of of of, of drugs and kind of stuff like that is is kind of the worst. It kind of brings the whole sport down. Uh, but yeah, we still are enthusiasts of the sport, right? You oh love, well, you love baseball. I love cycling, so we still watch it and we still support it. Maybe we don't, you know, we we kind of don't see everything through like you know as it being awesome and great, but we see the flaws in the in 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 the competitors or athletes or whatever you call. Them. You want to win, and that's like that's that's the part of it, yeah. right? Which leads into this week's wonderful topic. Exactly. So we're going to be talking about winning and losing in card games and why we keep on coming back for more it's, and more. It's a naughty little drug that we all love <laughs> to get hit. You know, it's 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 fascinating in that regard. But before we get to that, um, our, our weekly Dagon Rumor Report, please. Exactly. Mr. Bush. Famous Dagon Rumor Report. Dagon has been spotted. At 983shop.com, yay! With his brand new, amazing Dagon Room Reporter shirt and coffee mug. He's sporting everything. I, I hope somebody photoshops this together. Um, I think he was drinking a Fogacino. Fogacino, beautiful. And talking about he's never coming back. Never, ever. Because he wants to chill and doesn't want to come back. He also used the code FLURZA5 for five bucks off, as you should if you go to 983shop.com. And yeah. get that merch, merch, merch. Yeah, he is uh, well-retired, nestled deeply within the condo buildings of Del Boca Vista, Florida. He is having Aww. a great time. Yep. He's got the Hawaiian shirt on. He's running for condo president. He's doing the whole thing, baby. He's wearing his – he's got socks on with flip-flops. He's doing the whole retiree 
Yeah. The whole gimmick. He's got. I ain't coming back. Damn right. <laughs> no, he's never. Tra- he, it's never too hot. It, or sorry, it's it's always too cold for air conditioning, despite it being, you know, thirty five and Celsius. It's never. He's got a sweater on at all times. He is done. <laughs> he is ready to go. He's got Golden Girls reruns on the TV. He isn't going nowhere. He is staying put, and that is not. He's never coming back to Gwent. Um, the oh well. I wish him a very good retirement. Same here, he, man. I think Let he the guy it. rest. Absolutely. No. And like I said a million times, if you do guy if you guys do bring him back, I hope he sucks. I hope he's the worst fucking <sighs> card ever. I hope that I hope that it's it's just one of those things where everybody clamoring for Dagon and he's back and then he sucks and people will be like, Oh, so it was never about Dagon. It was about having a nice new powerful card. I get it. No, I I yeah. mean that that would just be the ultimate justice. And then <laughs> it's just He's I mean, so if, bad. <laughs> I mean, if if he if he made a comeback, he better be good because if yeah. he comes back and he's not good, then you know, community would pretty much eat us alive. Like they yeah. would eat us alive. Yeah, they feast on us pretty regularly. It's yeah. all good. Um, all right, the way back machine. Nothing really happened. I dig pretty far back. Though the only thing that I can find that was of relevance was like there was a developer stream. I think that that occurred where there were some UI changes and a few things along those those uh, matters. There was like a big patch that happened one of the years. There was nothing really like over the top unless there's something you can think of but i mean i i was digging through like the news the to news be honest, probably no because as we're recording this we're nearing the may weekend in poland um because i think the first and the third of may are bank holidays in the country so normally it's very chill week before and then it kind of ramps up after it and uh, yeah i mean pretty much nothing probably happened same goes as to what like when we come back from the may weekend which is um on wednesday next week mm-hmm. um we'll be ramping everything up for the next update which is coming soon may 10th may 10th there you go well there there, yep. there it is literally i don't see nothing happened but i mean in terms of ground sh- ground shaking news, it was uh, relatively yeah, it quiet. It was fairly quiet. All right. So winning and losing, Mr. Pablo Berja, and this is a Ooh. topic that I think uh, is worth digging into. I know that I've had this conversation with many people over a, a long and less than illustrious career on Twitch, whereas people typically are uh, it's a school of thought that you know you can subscribe to one end or another is it all about winning or is it all about having fun and this is kind of uh, um, a, a, a curious topic because a lot of people only have fun if they're winning whereas others yeah. can and I've had this debate with other, with with very many people where there have been very fiery discussions surrounding the fact that you know, you you cannot have fun if you lose and i i am strongly in disagreement now from a a grand perspective a very broad stroke obviously this is a very subjective thing because you might only enjoy an experience if you have a successful outcome at the end of it i on the other hand am not like that i can i not that i don't care about winning or losing However, I can have positive experiences in losing scenarios, and that's that. I don't know. Losing if you're learning. (laughs) Well, that yeah. I mean, like that that whole mantra of I I'm not losing if I'm learning. I mean, that is more meant to say that there's always something to be had out of every experience. If you are learning something from a loss, 
then is it's not like you're coming away empty-handed. You're you're walking away from that experience with more than you walked in from with. So in that mm-hmm. regard, you know, the EV of that experience, the expected value is 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 positive. You're getting something out of it for the time that you put in. Though you're not getting a W, you're not getting um, a, a you know progress or an increase in your MMR, as it were. Learning a, something out of a matchup, like oh, I shouldn't have passed here, or I should have saved my lock for this card versus this card, or this was a trap and I shouldn't have used my removal on it. Uh, those are positive experiences that help you to, um, you know, at, at the very least digest losses better. Um, you know, but at the same time, this this topic today is more so the fact that why why does winning and, and losing matter to the casual player and what brings people coming back? Because you said that this conversation for yourself, Pavel, spawned because you're on the, uh, uh, a, a nasty losing streak, but you still log in and you still queue up for more. Yeah, I kind of do. I feel like um, I'm currently still in rank two, but um, I'm not playing as much as I used to due to like a lot of stuff going on personal life plus work. Um, but whenever I get, you know, some time, I fire up Gwent and I'm still like playing on ladder. And I kind of feel that with, I mean, one thing is to discuss how Gwent's laddering system is that you need to actually get those those five Ws in order to to complete the whole thing and uh, you know to progress to to rank one. That's kind of uh, more demanding, let's say, especially the higher you go. Um, and I feel like I've I always come back, but I I normally wouldn't get as triggered as I did previously when it comes to when I'm actually losing because when i'm and i feel like there are kind of two factors that play into this one of them is i'm normally playing probably while i am focusing on something else and if i don't direct my full attention to the thing that i'm doing i'm kind of like uh making mistakes and then i'm not really following the place let's say but i feel like if i'm fully focused i get those like three to four wins i'm almost there and then i fall back but still, I'm like, okay, let's let's go on. And and I don't know where it comes from. Like I've always tried to kind of define this. I have the same thing with going to like FNMs or you know any type of events in my local game store. Like I know I'm not gonna come out as the top dog because I know the guys that come there are go you know every week religiously. They play Magic Online. They go to like uh, you know all the all the big events like the. Um, you know, like the big tournaments that are organized here, maybe not not as not not as big as the as the ones that you maybe attend for uh, Flesh and Blood, but still like pretty big when it comes to um, the Polish or even like the whole Polish scene here. Anyway, um, so I know that I'm not gonna be like you know winning a whole lot. Although um, I've noticed this pattern that I've been there like once. And I lost like 4-0. I went there the second times. I won one, so it was 1-3. And then it was like 2-2. And then it was, you know, and it, it starts getting better and better with experience. And I feel like what draws us back in kind of is the, is the fact that, you know, when we're actually making progress and we're actually doing a lot better, we're like, okay, let's try one more time. And then you try that one more time and then you fall back. And then you're like, but you're very, very persistent as a card game player. And I think like 
you should be persistent and you should be trying to come back because like you're always learning something new, right? Uh, you're, you might be going against a deck that, you know, like we talked about net decking last time. So there has been this heated discussion amongst the community, like, oh, this is, this is, this is wrong. Like if you're a net decker, you're like, you don't know what you're doing and you suck, but people want to win. So they net deck, right? They net deck the best decks, especially when you see it after any big uh, Gwent tournament. They go in, they net deck, they play the best deck on ladder and they try to win. And this sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, depending on what's happening in the meta. But I feel like everybody's like trying always to get the W and I feel like there's less and less people trying to do it for fun. Maybe they do it for fun in Gwent, but I feel like the fun decks and the kind of everything opens up when you get to pro rank. But before pro rank, people are just grinding just to get there, right? Right. Well, like it's 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 just a matter of what what you value and where your joys are. Can you find joy in the the process versus the the outcome? And that's that's a that's a, a tough thing because a lot of people want results and they don't get the that dopamine hit of that success, those bells ringing and you know like the payout. That only occurs if there's a positive outcome. When you see the, that you've won the two matches, when you see those, like, trust me, there's nothing more satisfying when I'm grinding and, and you get that win and suddenly you see that MMR tick up and it's just like beep, 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 beep. And the numbers are in the yellow and you're, you're increasing your MMR and you're pushing that ceiling. Like, that is incredibly satisfying. It's definitely, but it's a fragile feeling because you know that one, one loss, you're losing that. And that's not the same feeling. And then you have to work towards getting back to that. It's a, it's like the the one thing that I can definitely equate this to, and I'm sure for those who can relate, you know exactly what I'm talking about, is that I'll spend all kinds of freaking money in over the course of a summer to go golfing. And it and it's it's 80% a, a tragedy, but it's 20% <laughs> triumph. And you're there and like legitimately... You know, I adore golf. Golf to me is a, a nearly an unhealthy obsession. And the only reason why I don't play seven days a week is because it's expensive and I can't afford it. So I play, you know, once every two weeks or so and I'll go out there. But am I an excellent golfer? Am I like, no. But to me, I'm out there because I'm chasing those great moments. I'm chasing those highs of, you know, oh, I'm like, like I'm, I, I rolled this putt in for a birdie. Like that's amazing. Like that is for any golfer is an incredible feeling. It's incredible for me as an amateur, and it's in, uh, you know, or like a, a casual, and it's an, incredible for pros who roll in birdies because they're those are great results. The difference is, is that they're rolling in eight birdies around, and I'm rolling in maybe one or two. Like that's the difference. And in between, I'm, I'm you know, double bogeying every every other hole. Right. So to me. Like the joy and and why we come back is because we're chasing those highs and and you know you you remember like that feeling you know that feeling of when you went from rank three to two or you hit a new a new ceiling yeah. I rem that first Dopamine feeling hit <laughs> oh dude like for me I can pinpoint that moment where I felt addicted to success in card games that moment for me was like six years ago seven years ago. It amidst the um, Goblins and Gnomes expansion for Hearthstone, where I was playing a homebrew of Mech Mage, and I reached rank two, which for me was the highest rank I had ever achieved in my life. Before that, I was eight, 
eight was the highest, mm-hmm. and I was proud of that. And so that's a big step forward. It was definitely a big step forward, but for me, it was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Suddenly, I'm like kept gaining stars and gaining stars. I'm like, oh, now I'm at rank seven. Now I'm at rank six. Now I'm at rank, you know, like, and I kept going and going and going, and I kept chasing it. And then I'm like, what's the ceiling here? The ceiling is legend, right? Same thing as pro rank. Yeah. So you push that, you push that, and you push that, and it was tremendous. And like, and 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 it's a a great feeling to know that you're there. But then the worst part about that is that once you've reached that new peak, it's not about putting that achievement on a mantle and appreciating it it's putting that achievement on a mantle and saying i need to replace this with something better i yeah. need, and that is a driving force for many players because the, it's not about the losses that's bringing them back it's about the uh, it's about the prospect of replacing those losses with better experiences and and washing that bad taste out of your mouth and that for some is the motivating factor yeah, do you think like this ever ends? Because I feel like we we keep on coming back and we t- try to like put you know new goals in front of us, and then when like you said when when we actually meet them, it's kind of like okay, what's what's next? Like what's the next thing? For some, it might, it absolutely might. But look at all the best competitors in the world. Look at all the world champions. Look at the you know if you want to go on a grander global scheme, look at people like Tiger Woods. Look at people like Tom Brady who have all the accolades in the world, they can retire now and be considered the greatest to ever play their respective sports. But they're still going. Tom Brady retired for like seven minutes and then is like, yeah, you know what? I I need need to go back and do it again. And... Uh, op- it's not like yeah, op- but, yeah sometimes it's it's a bad idea like sometimes you come back and and it's and you right retired like but you shouldn't have that's true but that's true but that drive brings them back and look at players like tailbot look at players like coleman players who have won it all but why are they yeah. still playing now those players are are not playing now they're not they're not continuing to play but you know you win one you're like why not win another there is certainly a reward there and part of it is you know, like on the other end of the coin here, if you are the best, you want to maintain the best and you want to prove to yourself that you can still be the best. And yeah, there there are situations where, you know, you might lose it. But in card games, it's different because it's all in your, it's all mental, right? It's all, yeah. It's it has nothing to do with your physical ability. It's all about how you can brain your way through these situations. And for some, it's, it's the chase of being on top and then you know that it's it's not about being knocked off because eventually time will just knock you off it'll just say like all right there's a new tournament you're not in it we're going to crown a new champion it's not about defending your title it's about we have to crown a new one it gets reset so these players sometimes that drive is important to them and for some some players like Demorkis who won like a major challenger and whatever. And then, you know, after a while said, you know what, I'm content with this. I've got other things I want to do. And that's perfectly yeah. fine by them. So there's other, there's other realms that they want to find success in. But I, to me, it's, it's literally about chasing that, that high and pushing that limit because really in Gwent, what is the limit is the limit winning world masters is that is that the pinnacle? I think there's always something beyond. Like even if you win it once, you want to come back and you want well, to do it again, right? You want to win it again, but for those who can't, like there's only one of those a year. There's only one person who can win World Masters a year. Yeah. So for the hundreds of thousands of other people who are playing, you know, maybe maybe two percent of those players have aspirations to try to play ultra competitive and maybe push the tempo to be become a pro. Yeah. 
So still, for for a lot of people, the motivation is is that is the top of the mountain. But for others, their motivation is just personal growth and personal personal you know uh, attaining a new personal record or a new personal high. Yeah, I feel like for the majority of people that play card games, I think that, I mean, some of them like um, the aspect of of playing and getting better. And some of them, I feel like they only want to play in order for them to be winning. Like if they're not winning, they're not having fun. They're not, you know, and they, and I feel like it's it's something that, you know, is is detrimental to like the whole experience, right? Because... If you're only focused on winning and winning with the best decks and like only focusing on that, then whenever you, you know, have some unfortunate things happening or you have a losing streak, people just get tilted and they stop. And and, and that's why you get those people like disconnecting from Gwent. Like they, they think like they have the super awesome deck and that, you know, they're going to destroy you and then they lose. Like, um, I was surprised because I lost against Mill like yesterday and uh, that got me tilted because I've always been saying like, I never lose against Mill. But uh, then I was like, okay, if I maybe played more into round two, uh, like if I won round one and then played into round two, I like the the, the thing would be different. I, would, I shouldn't have passed so so early in round one. So, I mean, you, I took something from it and I feel like, I will I will go back and I'll be playing and playing and playing, especially now that I have some more free time. But I feel like, you know, uh, I'll get to a point once again where I'm falling behind and I will have this feeling of, oh man, what do I do now? Do I really want to come back? Do I, do I want to continue? And then even a day passes or something and I'm like, yeah, I want to continue. I want to keep on doing it. And I feel like it's just us trying to get this these these short dopamine hits but uh, at the other hand I kind of feel like any card game player just wants to be competitive like you want you you love the competitiveness of the whole thing like you don't want like you wouldn't be doing this if you if you didn't like going against someone else and thinking like haha I got you opponent or when your opponent gets you like oh that mother yeah. like how how did he freaking win against me right right well I mean you you want you kind of want a little bit of validation that your efforts are yeah. being rewarded, that your skill set is improving. People people want to know that their efforts are not in vain, so to speak. So how, to, like the, the the thing about it is that you know there's there's too much onus uh, or so there's too much weight put on just the fact that there's this like objective number that you can look at this objective statistic of wins and losses mm -hmm. and that that is the only way to measure it and and those who only find joy in winning i find perhaps maybe are are the ones who are really um boiling down success into these kinds of absolutes if did you win that's a success if did you lose that's not a success and and, and yeah. you know what and like for some that's perfectly fine and that's how you you want to approach it but then you're kind of losing the story behind the loss and perhaps it's a matter of like oh damn like okay like i played this differently i had a slightly better result now i'm kind of you know having a better time or there are in certain cases decks that just beat the hell out of other decks it's just it's it's a it's a counter yeah. to a particular thing but if if you're walking into a match and like for instance if i'm gonna roll this back one of the most lopsided um one of the most lopsided matchups in any card game that i've ever seen was control warrior versus freeze mage 
like <laughs> way back when, where Freeze Mage's yeah. whole idea was to OTK the opponent and just. But the problem was is that uh, Control Warrior would just stack armor like crazy, and there was no way to do it. And and um, that mage list had didn't have enough threats to compete it. It was literally a 90-10 uh, outcome where you're mm-hmm. only out as a mage was you needed to curve perfectly and be aggressive, and that wasn't going to happen. Um, so no. that, that to me... Now, the difference was, you know, for some, people would just as the mage player who has a 90% disadvantage, they'd walk into that and have a terrible time. But for me, walking into that, because I played Freeze Mage, I would walk into that matchup, play it out anyways, to try to do different things to see if there was any other way. Do I be ultra-aggressive? Do I play very slow? And eventually you find what the best options are, that maybe you've turned a 90-10 into a 75-25, and suddenly you're like, okay, I've just more than doubled my prospects of winning this and that to me is a successful experience but for some the only way to measure an experience as successful or not and thus tying in your joy to success or failure is by winning and losing so and and you know for some that's fine but for me i find that that would be a terrible experience if i can only equate winning to to joy and losing to everything else you know like if my joy is only tethered to winning a match i would like think about it like i would be unhappy just as much as i'm happy and that doesn't make for a good experience you know if my career win rate is like 55 percent or you know 60 percent then in that case you're like it can is this sustainable to have this kind of mentality where i'm unhappy and and distraught 40 percent of my game time that is not a pleasant experience if someone told me like here play this game you're gonna hate it 40 percent of the time i'd be like i ain't playing that game like no but for some that's the case they like they like hate play the game they like go in there wanting to be like angry and salty and aggressive against it and and well but and well, I that's get, not good. Like long term, that's not good. Like, no, it's not good. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your mentality. It's not good for, you know, like if you're a streamer and you're just constantly being angry, like some people want to live within that, you know, yeah. that little spiral of, of like saltiness and that's fine. But like I find that when I do catch myself and I like I'm not immune to it, I get salty at times yeah. too. And, and, and I do get a little bit tilted at certain losses. But at the end of the day, I understand that I'm not a pro, I'm not trying to win tournaments, and that's that's kind of part and parcel of how I cope with it is understanding my expectations with these games and understanding as well that you can there are positives to be had out of yeah. negative results. Yeah, I feel like it, it bleeds into anything we do in life. Uh, I'll give you a good example. It's something that we are currently trying to teach my daughter, which is se- she's seven, and she feels like if you don't get at least like first place that means it wasn't worth it because you lost and we're trying to like teach her that it doesn't matter like if you get first second or third especially in like sports or any other achievements what matters if you had fun if you learned something if you enjoyed it if you like maybe be any personal goal i had this like same discussion with her when it comes to like running, like I, I, for example, every year run a marathon. I also do like other runs and she's always asking me, well, how did you go? Like, which place did you, did you get? I'm like, 
place 100 and something out of 300 and something and i'm like i'm I'm happy with it because i be, beat my like personal time but you didn't get like gold medal or anything like that i'm like well i'm not doing this for the gold medal i'm trying to do this for something else and she like um last week uh she was over and she uh was playing with a friend and she's like how do you feel like after losing uh you got second place and i'm like what second place is good and and her friend is like oh it's it was fine second place is good i'm happy with it and she no she has a mentality that it's that it's sometimes fine not to be on top of the podium but for uh my daughter like not being number one is considered that you know uh, it wasn't worth it like you know it's, you're, you're you're either in it for the win or you're in it um or it does or it doesn't make sense so what we're trying to teach her is like it doesn't matter if you're you don't you don't have to be constantly winning and you shouldn't be participating in something for the fact of winning and i feel also like coming back to to, to card games um i feel that when it comes to gwent i feel like there is more pressure maybe on me to perform because people will always judge me whenever i'm streaming the game like uh, based on which rank i am and maybe when, you know, a couple years ago, that would like get to my head and I'll be like, you know, people saying, oh, you, I mean, you still, you, I mean, you get the same thing. Oh, you're not a good caster because you're not, you know, top, I don't know. Or uh, how can be, how can be he working on Gwent like when he's not in pro rank, right? So, I mean, but I've, 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 I'm already too old for this type of stuff, right? It doesn't, doesn't get to me, but still some, sometimes like in the back of your head, you're like, I want to perform. I want to be good because I want to show them that, you know, I have a spot here, right? And you're kind of trying to uh, sh like show them like, yeah, yeah, see, told you, told you I could get here. Like, you know, you can now put your, yeah. you know, bad well, words wherever you want them. My, my success in the game is like, um, to me, I feel like, and I've mentioned this many times, I've always thought that my success in this game is a responsibility that I have to my my job, my gig, my huh? duty of being a responsible caster, that I I need to be on top of my game and I need to jam as many games as I possibly can and I need to be aware of the meta and how, how matchups are. And the best way to learn that is to play the matchups and to play the decks and to play the games. So, um, you know, ahead of a tournament that I'm casting, I'm going to do my best to in, be as good as I possibly can. And, you know, ahead of the last Gwent tournament, I had three factions, you know, at like near, I think I had two factions at like 2,500 MMR and another one at like 20, 2480 or something like that. And I was working on a fourth and I ran out of time. But mm -hmm. ultimately, my, uh, to me, again, it's all about, I guess, what, what the, the goal is. And my goal is in these cases is not necessarily wins or losses, but it is about understanding particular matchups because it, it, it yep. has an, you know, it has a direct influence over, what I'm supposed to do, which is cast these matches properly, cast them insight, you know, with lots of insight into how they're supposed to go. So I suppose for me, again, you have to understand what, what your personal goal is. And for some, if it's just, I need to have as many wins as possible. So yeah, you might feel bad about losing, but people who, who are, are, really distraught over their losses need to perhaps kind of take a step back and get a perspective of what their their goals are and yeah. if you're not you know if if you don't care about pro rank if you don't care about you know um any kind of com 
competitive outlook of your career in a particular game, wins and losses are not going to be as as um, impactful to to you as they would for somebody who is hunting to make a qualifier to get in the top 64 so they can attend one of these i i do my best to get on as high up in the ladder for on pro rank as possible because i need to see more high level players playing high level decks and i need to play against these high level players so i understand lines and strategies so there is a consequence to me losing which is i just don't get to see as many good players so i really try hard to to win and lose and and when i lose matches in a row you know some i get more upset losing matches in ranks three to zero you know when i'm not in top 500 pro rank and i fall out of it that is more annoying to me because it's just a longer road for me to get back to pro rank because every loss is like all right now i gotta win two games to get back yeah and ultimately for me you know, the wins and losses don't matter in pro rank because I don't have any career aspirations to play in tournaments and qualify for any of this, not, you know, these, these major tournaments. It's not what I want to do. I just want to, I want to learn the matchups. I want to be the best, you know, caster, analyst, whatever that I could possibly be in the game. But, you know, do I care about wins and losses? Like what drives me back? What drives me back is I want to learn the game. I want to, I want to continue to be improved with, with the decks that I've made and whatnot. But for everybody, everybody has their own unique motivations, their own goals. And what I I always urge people to do is to really evaluate what those goals are and then really put weight into the value of a win or a loss in each particular game. Some will sting. Obviously, you'll enjoy games that you win more. But is your if your goal is just to whack, rack up Ws and not learn anything, like you need to be able to. It's a it's just a better experience overall in games, in sports, in whatever. When you can find ways to take something out of a loss, because most yeah. people think that as soon as you hit that loss, there's nothing to be learned. It's a negative experience. You walk away empty-handed. That's not true. That's not true. You're only walking away empty-handed because you weren't paying attention. Because there's always a at least one turn where you learned something and the difference is is that if you're just looking at the finish line and getting to that finish line then you're missing you know you got to stop to smell the roses on the way you know yeah. if if you know that you're falling behind if you know that you're not going to win the race at least enjoy the scenery and take your time and get something out of it right so it's funny because yeah that like you mentioned you kind of put sports into this and yeah a lot of people say that the, the most important part of anything, especially in endurance sports, is the process, like the process and actually going through the, the, the training before you actually like go to the main event, let's say. And I feel like you have the same thing on ladder when you're playing, like with every loss, you are gaining some experience. You're learning about, you know, which decks are being played in a specific rank in this case. And you're learning how to go against them, and then when you come back, uh, you there will be matchups that you know go horribly for you, but then you have the same matchup again, and you're doing very well because you've played against it and you learned something. So I feel like, yeah, you should be more focused on the process and actually getting something out of it instead of just only be focusing on, you know, I only will do this for the W, right? Because I want to win, I want to win, and I want to progress. But I feel like. In this case, also, like the higher you get, like the the progression uh, will only come to such an extent. Like you will get to a point where 
you're losing and you're trying to get back at it and you're going back and forth and you need this because without this you won't get better and you won't learn anything in order to to progress further right no it's then exactly and what people also need to just step back and appreciate is if you're winning and winning and winning and suddenly you start losing and losing and losing it's because you've reached a a, a rank or you've you've pushed yourself to a point where you're facing tougher challenges and you need to appreciate you know those wins are going to be less easy to come by however they're going to mean more to work towards and you know if if winning is your motivating factor if getting that hit of dopamine because you picked up a w is your motivating factor then your losses become more important because you need to avoid them so you need to learn from them and i know that i'm going to go back to this all the time i usually do you're not losing if you're learning but i i truly do mean it because you do not improve trust me you know any successes I've had in any card game have come through incredible tur- turmoil and, and, and lots of struggles of trying things and practicing and this and that. But frankly, you know, everybody is going to lose a lot before they get great, yeah. you know, and everybody's new at a point. Everybody's green at a point. Nobody picks up this game and, and immediately says, well, hey, I, I'm pro rank caliber. It takes a little bit of, of time and effort to get there. But it's in that process, it's in that struggle that you find those gems. You know, it's it it's 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 being able to keep your mind open and your eyes open to find those those lessons, to find those those areas where you can improve and those margins of, of that those one percent situations where, you know what, like I got dumpstered, but I found a little nugget of truth in this game that I can bank yeah. on. I found a little margin a little bit of extra runway that i can use for the next matchup and that's where you build off of it you need to trust me they're not going to be as sweet as winning and winning easily because trust me there's no better feeling than you know watching your you know playing your last card and being ahead of your opponent by like 50 points like there's no better feeling than that obviously but Unless it happens too often, then if you're winning all the time, then is it it actually worth it? Well, that's another good question. You know, where do you find your joys if everything comes easy? Like, you you know, I I think it's like that. There's, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure there's like a Twilight Zone episode where somebody like a a degenerate gambler or whatever, like makes a wish and his wish is that he he wishes that he would be able to win at gambling. And like he's transported like to like this fantasy land where he's in a casino and he plays like a slot machine and he wins the jackpot and he's he's super thrilled he goes to like a blackjack table and he gets hit he gets a perfect blackjack and he's thrilled he goes to a craps table he rolls the dice he wins <laughs> and then he's like super thrilled then he realizes oh my god i can't lose and he loses all the the joy and it becomes his yeah. personal hell that this degenerate gambler who only wishes that he could win all the time suddenly is only winning he could lose yeah and then he's like well there's no consequence anymore there's nothing there so embrace the losses because the losses make the win so much sweeter but again it's not like the losses are just these empty voids there are there's wisdom to be had in them that's where that's where the best players find you know find opportunity to improve because if you're just winning and it's easy you're going to think that you can do no wrong but when you're losing games, you're finding opportunities to improve, and then that's how that's how you become a better player. You you become a better player when you can pull something out of 
negative experiences, you know, negative outcomes. Yeah. yeah or just when you're on the, on the, on, you're almost there. Like you're, I feel like with, with whenever we play any CCG that we play, um, the, the moment where you're actually, you're, you're reflecting and you're able to learn from your losses is, is where, where the growth happens. Right. And then you kind of feel a lot better about yourself and then like a lot better about, uh, why you're doing this. And I feel also like the, the good thing that you mentioned here is, is like, you need to define for yourself, like, why are you doing this? I mean, if you're doing this only for, for the wins, then you'll probably get burned out very quickly. Um, but I feel like you, in order to progress, you need to be learning all the time. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a given, right? Well, that it's definitely a given and, you know, stubbornness and stuff like that is what basically puts up the walls that do not allow you to, to, you know, absorb any new knowledge. You, you need to come to terms with the fact that you are going to lose games yeah. and, and losing games is natural. It's not, it's not a detriment to your, to your experience on the whole. It's an opportunity. And that's how you have to approach it. And honestly, I like I said, I've had this conversation with many people, and 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 for those, some only find joy in winning. And I, I and I, I try to explain that you know there are there are places to to enjoy the process, even yeah. if you're losing. But for some, they're just hardwired to un, to believe that there's there's only joy to be had if you're successful. And um. I can't, you know, I can only, uh, or, you know, like there's some people have that hardwired in their brain and it's hard to change that. So what, what can you do? Right. It's yeah. all you can do is just hope that they win more than they lose. Cause it's a better, it's a better experience for them. Do you sometimes feel like when going to, let's say you're not, you're not going to, to, to like a big tournament, uh, but let's say you just, and maybe, well, maybe ladder is also a good good example here like you're playing but sometimes you want to play with something different instead of like the meta decks like you want to choose something just for the sheer fun of it do you do you have this like feeling like okay i won't take my best deck i'll just take something because i just want to have fun or or do you not ever get this well i mean i'm it, it's tough like like sometimes if i'm if i'm laddering up you know you can't like you can't fall from two to two to three as it were so if i've got like if i rank up and i go from like you know two to one or something like that mm -hmm. like i'm i'll play something different like because there's no there's less consequence to losing mm -hmm. in that regard and like to me the consequence for losing is just that i'm further away from a higher rank and for me you know i i really go hard on ladder ahead of uh of a gwent opener or a, a mm -hmm. challenger or whatever because I want to play against the best players so that I can be best prepared for casting these events. But I mean, like I'll play fun stuff. Like part of the challenge for me as well is like, you know what, if I have a silly, stupid idea that I want to execute, I'll do it. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't have the same motivation as many players do because to me being, you know, my motivation might be being a top 500 pro rank player. Cause I just don't want to do the grind back to pro, pro rank. You know, so, but like that. being a top 200 player, like it, it was a personal goal of mine at one point, like the highest I've ever finished on ladder was like 84th. And, mm -hmm. 
but it was you know in a season that didn't matter like you know it was just like an off season or whatever but like even then i'm like who cares like it's just a personal goal same as in golf like i'm not playing because i have intentions of playing in tournaments and being on the pga tour i'm playing because i have personal bests that motivate me to push those limits if my best ever is you know 84th like my best mmr score i think was like 25 54 on something or like that Mm -hmm. like so in my mind i'm like i have these milestones and part of this sometimes you know um what's the term Uh, motivates me if there's a meta i like i'll jam five six hundred games and see what happens you know and go from there but i don't that that motive the motivating factor for me isn't isn't you know becoming a top 64 player the motivating factor for me is understanding the meta better than anyone else that's my motivating factor and the best way to do that is to play at the highest levels possible but for some you know what motivates me doesn't motivate them because for them they don't have a casting gig that they need to be on top of their game for their motivation is different and i understand that but i think that there is always a place for finding joy outside of only winning games and once i found that once i found the the worth and the value that that is hidden behind that l behind that loss i enjoyed card games so much more in general i enjoyed and was able to cope with i became a better competitor i became a, a a a a better player a better card player um, you know, and a better person to be around in these situations because I was able to to digest wins in a in a more palatable way, in a more um, you know progressive way. So that that's but for some that's something they need to come to terms with. Is yeah, I have the same thing. I accept that I feel like I am not you know obliged in any way in order to be. You know, at the at the pinnacle of uh, of uh, Gwent gameplay, and in, in the sense that you know, I'm I'm not a caster, so I don't need to know the the plays that happen on the super high level. I don't work on balance. Um, you no don't. Surprise here. But no, what about all the Reddit no. questions? Well, you know, they think they think that I'm the person to ask about that, but it just shows how much uh, the community knows about game dev. Pretty much, uh, not very much. Um, I was here as the face of the game, um, mainly because of my my passion for for CCGs and that I enjoy uh, card games. And I feel like what I I need to always remind myself about is like, why am I here? I am here because I just enjoy this, and I've enjoyed this since I was a kid. I like uh, playing cool, wacky decks. I like playing Scoia'tael mainly, so I will play three different types of decks. If I rank up to a rank, I'll start playing some weird brews and stuff like that just for the fun of it because I enjoy it. And if I win against like a hardcore, awesome meta deck, I, I, I just chuckle inside and like, hey, 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 look at you. I beat you with my shitty deck. <laughs> it just feels good. And I have the same thing when it comes to magic. Like if I go to my local game store, like I said, everybody's there trying to be like super competitive and stuff like that. I, I will bring the deck that I've been playing for the X amount of years. And it's like a deck that is not, it's not highly competitive, but some people play it and it used to be somewhat better now it's maybe not but i just have a lot of fun playing it and i'm also i feel like you know whenever i'm playing it uh because i also have like these decks which were best on the like based on the meta rankings maybe they're they're good now and 
I've I, I feel like I've also like built uh, last year like a super super um, good control deck that is based off of you know what the what the best are playing, and I play that deck very rarely. Uh, one one thing is like because I don't maybe know how to play optimally like one hundred percent because I don't play that much. That's that's one thing. So it's the one I don't choose, but I always choose the one which gives me the most fun because I just want to go have fun, learn something, learn more about the meta because people people are playing meta decks mainly because they're performing, and yeah, having fun. And then I'll just change a couple cards for the next time I'm there just to see if they perform better. And yeah, it's like an iteration process, like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I feel like I'm having more fun with that than with than like grinding and trying to be number one. Although I've learned that there are these days that I go there or there are these days when I'm playing on ladder and that I'm just on a winning streak and it just feels good. But then when I start losing, it's okay, right? Because then I can go back and play something funny, Mimi, and I'm back at, you know, having fun and, and enjoying it. But yeah, I feel like also we need to take into account that sometimes you just wanna you just wanna rank up just to just to get the endorphins from and the dopamine from that, right? Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, everybody has their own motivation, and I I never secret agenda. Everybody has their own agenda. <laughs> their own secret agenda. What I'm saying, friends, is that there is definitely joys to be had when you lose a game. There's they're out yeah. there and. They're never as good as when you win a game, sure. But, you know, there are there are certainly positives to be had out of uh out of uh, losing experiences. It's no big deal. Um Yeah, man. Um uh, on that note, Perfect. we do have a mailbag coming up, but why don't you uh hit us with a little sponsor sauce if we've got Yes. Any. Yes, yes. The most important I we mentioned this today already during the um, Dagon Rumor Report. But but don't forget that 983shop.com, 983shop, shop, S-H-O-P, not shoop, not nothing else, shop.com, <laughs> has a brand new amazing Dagon Rumor Reporter shirt, coffee mug, and hoodie, which you can order, and they can become yours. Super high, well-made, awesome quality of this stuff. And more importantly, all of you, at home can become Dagon Rumor Reporters, which is the most important thing. And the second most important thing, or the, probably the first most important thing, is that if you use the code FLURS of five, FLURS of five, you'll get five bucks off your order. So whatever you get at the shop, there's a lot of other stuff there too. If you, you can get whatever you want, you'll get five bucks off your order. So highly encourage you to do so. Save up and yeah, remember about the code. The code is very important. We, we don't get anything from it, just disclaimer, but... but. But we want you to look cool. You guys get five bucks off, so do yeah. it. Damn do right. It. <laughs> All right, friends, let's go to the mailbag. All right, welcome back to the mailbag for the Q&A where we answer your questions coming through Twitter and, of course, Reddit. So first up. We have one straight up from Twitter from Zayat Tarek or Zayad Neo, as his handle being on Twitter. 
What are your favorite vanities in the game? Music, boards, leader skins, card backs, etc. And which would you like to see more of? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, it's hard not to say card backs. Card backs are, are great. It's basically, um, it's like right in your opponent's face. You know, like they're going to be staring at your card back basically almost the whole game. You don't get to see them very much, your own. But um, there are some brilliant card backs in this game. Um, you know, if you compare them to some of the nicest ones out of like Hearthstone, uh, Hearthstone card backs were, they're, they were cool, you know, like it was, I think they started the whole change your card back. It's a cool vanity and, and such, but ultimately, um, Gwent card backs are amazing. I think that I would like to see more card backs. Um, but at the same time, I mean, leader skins are leader skins. And there's a reason why this is, well, you know, so many games out there right now, like Overwatch, like Apex Legends, all these other like Fortnites or whatever, they're free and their entire economic model is is pushed yeah. by vanities, things like leader skins, because they're so awesome to see. You know, it is a, a true expression of kind of how you feel. It's some of them look really cool. You know, the Arrakis Queen with like her cool, you know, all like that neon stuff. My favorite one is the um is I call them the Christmas, the Christmas moose. <laughs> um, you know, like that that monster one that's all like white and snowy and he's got the big antlers. Like that's my favorite one. Mm -hmm. To me, leader skins and cardbacks are um so awesome. I mean, they also drive the economy for the most part. I think yeah. that in reality, I mean, I like jamming out new leader skins is that to me is what you know really for the most part motivates me to spend money or in-game cash and i've said it i'm like listen anytime that there's like some sort of cool star wars related thing that's like you know like i'm all for it like on my desk right or on my desk on my shelf right there i'm like i never collect coins but they released the millennium falcon silver coin and i got one of those i'm like i need this i absolutely need this i have no use for silver or silver coins it's the first coin i ever owned in terms of like collecting so on the shelf it goes and why because i'm a sucker for star wars stuff so you know for some leader skins you know we see we hear how many people are out there like more tris more this more yen blah 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 like Throwing leader skins on there is probably the best thing. I would love to see more of those. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with leader skins. I think they're my favorite. Um, we kind of... Actually, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic that we have been having internally that because we introduced journeys and we had leader skins as a simple model first, and then you get to equip it with different things. Like you can change the head, you can change the torso, you can change the legs, you can add an aura, aura you can add some additional things to the character. We feel like it's very hard for us to now go back and just to have a leader skin, which is just a skin. Like let's say, let's say for example, I don't know, Gernicora has a look and then we have something that is just a leader skin and we just release it. I want to name anything because people will be like, oh my God, they're working on this or this is a leader yeah, don't or whatever. Say anything. Yeah, yeah. Just like one character goes out without customization. We kind of feel like players might be saying that, um, I don't know if, 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 if this is like good enough because on the other hand, we have this awesome Alzer skin, for example, or Regis, which has three freaking modes on him in terms of like, he can be, you know, mid transformation, full transformation in human form. Um, and I feel like we still want to do more of those, but I also feel like 
Um, boards are important because I feel like I, I tend to change boards depending on the mood or depending on um, the, like let's say the archetype that I'm playing. So it feels more lore accurate or sometimes it's just the visuals of it. Um, I like the, the daytime uh, board that we had for one of the, for last year's um, masters with the ghoul kind of that when you click on top the ghoul kind of comes in and eats uh, some 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 flesh lying there uh, I enjoy those um, so yeah leer skins boards and card backs for sure I feel I feel like card backs are kind of like a must in and in, in card games I feel they 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 are the the, the thing to go for although Leer skins in our game make the most sense. I feel like they're most prominent, uh, especially after Homecoming when we had the leader actually be present on the board. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but I feel like every like MTG Arena they have these uh, small like like pets that you have uh, that are kind of you know yours and your opponents. Um, those are really cool, and I think that every card game is kind of tr like looking into having some type of avatar thing. That kind of shows off your personality or shows off sometimes it's it's a vanity item that people like to have based on when they join the game so if they join the game early they have access to things that's you know newer players that are just playing right now haven't seen they're like oh this is cool i would like to have this and then com companies kind of look into that as like oh maybe we can monetize this and bring it back somehow and people will buy it uh because it's on popular demand and like in gwent we get this all the time of players coming like like ah, I want this card back oh like I had the same thing I was streaming and every I always play with the Merchants of Overfear card back and everybody wanted that one and now it's on sale in the shop so it kind of I also feel like it you know it drives uh, you know sales based off of kind of the popularity of a of a given thing and especially if it's like it was available when this expansion launched which was a long time ago but that you can get it now is is something cool and i and i like that we that we keep on like bringing these things back so people have uh, an option to get them so i would like to see more leader skins period um especially i feel like it would be cool to have more elves it would be cool to have more um other characters of course um i i won't say no that me because we're doing journeys again um and actually, Infinite Journeys, the first ones for Siri and Geralt, they're coming back uh, in May. So that's that's cool. But they will also feature more vanities for those when it comes to customization. So that's that's going to be cool. But I can already tell you because people are asking, like, oh, are you guys working on any new journeys? Yes, we actually are working on a on a brand new journey. So it's not that you know. But this will probably come out not this year, but next year. But we have plans like going into into the future and we want to do more cool custom stuff. Um, but we also want, you know, the older content to to kind of come back. So so leader skins will always be king, I, I would say. And yeah, I love I love that we brought them into journeys and gave players the option to customize them because I feel like this is this is like one of the coolest aspects of uh of Gwent when it comes to vanities. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um Next question is from Static Panic asking, hello there. Hello, General Kenobi. Um, I, I added that part. Uh, <laughs> I was curious about the implementation process new cards or sets go through. Do you typically start by analyzing current strengths and weaknesses of cards and try to plug any holes there? Or does the process tend to be more organic? A mix of both, perhaps. Thanks. Uh, 
Oh, well, that's uh, that's a card design question. And like, I don't know. Uh, I, listen, I'm not part of the, the card design team. I don't think you are either. But I mean, you've been there, uh, you know, from the beginning. So maybe you have a little insight in terms of how the, the process goes, because I've I've asked, uh, you know, a little bit about the card design process. And I know mm-hmm. that uh, from what I understand, there's kind of like a, a discussion in a roundtable sometimes where you guys discuss ideas. And then, I mean, uh, look, I don't know the process. I would assume that like if there's an idea that's put there, you've got like a team of people who are there to try to figure out why or how yeah. it could be broken or busted or, or, or bad. Yeah, I, all briefs. I mean, everything starts with a brief, like pretty much what you want to, what you want to do. And that starts in terms of like, which art you want to create or which type of unit you want to create and or, or which character because the Witcher universe is, is quite big. Um, so based off of that, you, you first create the art and based off of the art, you go on to creating the, the card. But actually, um, this is such a good question that I um, asked our designers to give their input. So I don't have the answers yet, but hopefully for next episode i will be able to shed more light into the steps uh when it comes to the process of creating a card um so i will actually bring those notes with me to the for for the next episode um and yeah i already inquired at this and and uh, if you remember Malaysian, he used to be part of the community but he joined us and is working on the balance team he will provide me with all this information so i'll be able to go into more details about the process but previously what it how it looked like it was pretty much um yeah it was a round table with the most important uh people in Gwent kind of trying to define which direction they want to go in terms of like which characters they're missing or what's the next theme of a big expansion or even a smaller expansion and what they want to kind of um what type of what type of cards they want in the theme so it starts with the brief, the artists get the brief, they create uh, a couple of versions of a given character or card. And those are later um, drawn, the ones which are, which are, which, which of course have been picked from the sketches. So one is selected and based off of that, that final one goes to designers and they design um, the ability. But when it comes to how they design the ability and how it falls into the um current meta and if they look into how you know how is how the process kind of goes uh i will let you probably know in the next one uh once i get more input perfect oh we can always jump back to that one of course beautiful but it's a good question it's a very good question i feel like it would be nice to shed a a little bit more light into the to the whole process yeah you you wrangle up all those those designers that ruin everyone's lives apparently they're the best. They are the best. Lovely bunch. All right. Next up. What we I got? mean, we, we meet with them on a weekly basis and talk balance, which is fun. And it's cool. I, they just they just ask us what, what the community thinks. We tell them what the community thinks. And then they tell us what they think. And we kind of, you know, like we bash those two um, kind of points of view against each other. And we try to come to a nice conclusion. And I feel like they're they're listening. And they always have been. So that's the most important. All right. Moving on. This one from the one Cristo, very own, which we know and love. Shout out to him, first of all. Big so, shout out. best, best, best question. Best uh, question. Hey, hold on a second. Cristo's getting married in October. Oh, 
Bam! Yes, trust me. I've already lobbied for a trip to Vegas in the most debaucherous way. So that is happening for sure. We'll, 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 awesome. post, we'll post pictures if we're allowed. But yeah, that, that's so uh, congratulations, first of all, to Christo and his uh, much superior fiance, uh, <laughs> Caitlin, who's an, an amazing human being. So, uh, Chris, you lucky son of a bitch. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Oh, damn right it does. <laughs> All right, what's faster? Watch Flake on the Millennium Falcon doing a Kessel Run or Papa Boucher on his bike going to pick up some ponchki at the local bakery? That's a good question. That is a good question. So the Kessel Run, for those who are unaware, is a smuggling route um, that goes through... Uh, basically, it's a route from Kessel. Kessel is essentially um, like a it's like a, a penal colony, mining colony, or something like that. But ultimately, the whole point is that you're smuggling spice, which is like spice is sort of like drugs in in the Star Wars universe. You're smuggling spice, and and the Kessel Run is a smuggling route that goes around what's called the Maw. The Maw is like a cluster of black holes, and it's a very dangerous route. Now. Famously, Han Solo is said to have done the Kessel Run, which is this navigating this dangerous route in under 12 parsecs. Now, a parsec is not a measurement of time, so it's not like, oh, he did it that quickly. It's a measurement of distance, meaning he did it in the smallest amount of distance possible, which technically means, you know— well, he took the sh the short. He is he he holds the record for the shortest route, which means that he went through closer to the center of this dangerous maw, this cluster of black holes, which is an incredibly dangerous thing to do. So that's part of his allure and his and his his you know his legend of Han Solo is that it's not doing the Kessel Run and having the Kessel Run record is not a matter of speed. It's a matter of how daring and. And, and good you are as a pilot, how ballsy you are, because you took an incredibly okay. dangerous route to do it and do it successfully. So uh, what's faster, me doing the Millennium, uh, uh, doing the Kessel Run on the Millennium Falcon? I will tell you this. I would take the safest possible route of doing the Kessel Run. I would go so far away from all the danger. That I'm not by any means an aggressive yeah, so driver or a psycho. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't chase. I'm not a, a fan of races as it is. You know, I'm not out there to do things the fastest or whatever. I just want to do it right. That's all I am. So what's faster? Probably. Me. Yeah, absolutely. You. I will <laughs> definitely say because first of all, if I'm on the Millennium Falcon, I'm taking my damn time and enjoying my ride oh, yeah. on the Millennium Falcon. I am not taking that mofo through the mall and trying to beat Han Solo's record of under 12 parsecs. So I'm going to say you, but you can say something different. So you're 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 the grandma driver, right? <laughs> well, I guess I I suppose. Look, I I don't drive like slowly, but at the same time, I'm not the type where it's like I need to constantly be changing lanes to get ahead of people. I'm not aggressive in that way. I'm I'm the type where it's like you want to get in my lane, by all means, get in my lane. Like I'm just piling up a, a karma bill that uh you know will perhaps you know I I've been fairly safe as I've driven. So like that's kind of it for me. Well. When it comes to me going for Ponchki, taking into account that the bakery is like 500, 400 meters away from where we're living right now <laughs> Yeah. on a bike, that's like five seconds and I'm there, dude. <laughs> okay. And yeah, but um, 
when it comes to 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 speed, I love speed. Um, I love the feeling of uh, floating on a bike, and and you get that probably around from forty to fifty kilometers per hour on a on a on a bicycle when you're just flying. Uh, you have your tailwind behind you, and that is kind of the the, the feeling of of just floating on air. And going fast, I love. Uh, I've always been into adrenaline, especially as as a kid. I've always been kind of like an adrenaline junkie. I used to, um, you know, do like tricks on my bike. I used to do BMX. I used to do like dirt jumping and stuff like that. So I've always loved the the kind of you know the yeah the adrenaline aspect of it and kind of you know something might go wrong and you actually making it feels really good but i've also also enjoyed speed like if there is someone that I, I i when i go on my route that is like around 70 kilometers on my bike there is always someone bound to like trying to catch up on me and race me and i will always race them just for the fun of it without looking into traffic red lights and stuff like that i'm kind of more <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm more of the yellow approach to it so yeah all right so the question should be what's faster uh Flake on uh, doing a Kessel run or, or Bourgeois doing a Ponchki run? Both of those so are... So Ponchki run. Ponchki, Ponchki run. run wins. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, if I'm hungry and I'm maybe most of... Like, not maybe. Like, most of the time when I'm riding my bike, I'm, I'm, I get hungry very quickly. So, because I'm burning a lot of calories, then, then yeah, for sure. I'm I'm the first one to the to the bakery. <laughs> yeah, Hello, Panistasha. Like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Even before we were, we started recording today, I popped out for a bike ride. I went to like one of a smaller city that is like 40 kilometers away from, from where we live. I went in, got a coffee and some cheesecake and I came back and um, yeah, my journey there was way faster. Plus I, of course I had a, like a tailwind pushing me there. <laughs> But still, my, my journey there was much faster than the one me coming back home. So, yeah. Beauty. Easy. All right. We got time for maybe like two more. So let's pick these wisely. Um, I'm going to group huh. two together because I think two of them are kind of feel similar. Uh, so the first one that we're going to group together is from Busy Dizzy saying, is, is a best of three mode considered? There's something like that in uh, Legends of Runeterra, and I really like it. Like bring three decks and you and your opponent ban one of each uh and that also is paired up i'm going to pair it up with another uh question that got downvoted because busy dizzy got downvoted and i said this before if you downvote questions those are the ones i look we at like them <laughs> love those ones and this one is uh from uh sam uh samir rene samir um samir rene i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing this incorrectly there's a lot of letters pushed together there uh yeah. the question is what are your thoughts on adding an additional uh, an optional banning stage for ranked matches has the devs ever considered this and then going into a little bit about how it would work and such but basically it would be like again same question as before you go in with like three decks and one of them gets banned whereas like you you enter it and you know you're presented with the factions and you ban one and then mm -hmm. you play a best of three and i get it so in this case I'm, I want to jump into this uh, before. I have actually considered. Uh, I have. I, I made a video a while ago about not necessarily a best of three, but a, um, 
a best it was a best of three with a sideboard one deck not mm-hmm. three decks but i don't mind the idea of a separate format because magic has that magic's had best of one or best of three these have, yeah. and, and best of three if i'm not mistaken is the standard tournament procedure uh yes. yeah so because Always. again but the difference with that is that best of three in magic is because you're kind of taking into account what if somebody just gets land screwed you know mm-hmm. and that's part of the game so you're giving your uh, you're giving each player an opportunity to lose a, a match purely by poor draw off the off the top and it's unfortunate that that happens but i have always been a proponent for and an advocate for you know multiple multiple formats and 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 expanding on formats and i think that a, a best of 3 format in ranked can be viable but i'll tell you why it would never succeed and that uh-huh. is because people already complain that Gwent games take too long. If you see a yeah. lot of the criticism of why people stay away from Gwent games, it's because they take too long. People are like, oh, if you want to spend 15 minutes playing a card game, then you'd play this. Well, it's, I get it, I guess. I mean, like 15 minutes, if, if you're used to like eight-minute, you know, aggro pirates or or face hunters and in, in in or mono red red deck wins in, in magic then yeah exactly. you know anything over 10 minutes feels like a waste of time but in reality gwent matches are already very they're longer than normal i have no problem spending 15 minutes in playing a game if it's a really good close game but many people just want to bust out they want to you know be efficient in their time and if you're playing a two out of three now the way that games like magic sort of account for this extra time in these extra games is that your losses count double and your wins count double so like for example in gwent if you're playing a best of three you have to win two out of the three games in where in which case you're not gaining one puzzle piece to the the face you're gaining two but you're also losing two if you're losing and that's that's how magic sort of um validates the the best of three and the time invested is that you're if you win you're progressing twice as fast so um is it i i think it's a cool idea and i think it is absolutely viable but i don't think it will succeed because players do not want to invest 40 minutes to the resolution of one matchup yeah why do we have to agree on these things always yeah it makes sense maybe i don't know uh, I think it does. Uh, I mean, Gwent already itself, the the way that you play it is is a best of three format in some way, right? But um, the thing is that there are no sideboards, which like Magic is a good good uh, comparison because sometimes um, in order for you to succeed, like it might be like you mentioned, it might be you getting a land screwed or you might be flooded with land, so you always have a chance to come back. Um, if if you draw poorly on your on your first match, especially that the decks consist of mainly like sixty cards, um, if you're playing the, the, the let's say standard or modern or whatever, uh, or pioneer, which is becoming more and more popular now, and in those um, best of three makes sense because you can you can come back or you if your opponent has some type of hate card against you, you can bring out your own hate or your other tech options that go against uh, his or her uh, lineup. So it's much makes much more sense. While in Gwent, it's would be very hard because a we don't have any sideboards, and if we did, I feel like you might be choosing some options which go straight to to destroying like your opponent's deck totally. Um, but 
I also agree with you that the match times in Gwent take a little bit too long. It's actually funny because we've been studying this um, for quite some time because uh, we were thinking of ways to shorten the match length, but we never found like a 100% solution, which would be the best. Like we found some options that would make it better, but we never decided on, okay, let's implement something to make, to make the games uh, go faster. I feel like they used to be a little bit maybe faster back in beta, uh, but that was kind of, you know, we started working on, you know, decoupling the animations and stuff like that in order to make the process also of of the match go so you can pass quicker. You don't have to wait for all the animations to finish and stuff like that. So we've been also looking into how we can maybe shorten the timer somehow, but I feel like we can't really shorten it too much because some players need a little bit more time to consider the plays that they're doing. I know there are players who tend to play super fast and then the matches, they last uh, shorter, but there are players who like to think of different scenarios. There are players like Shinmiri who love to rope um, because I also I also feel like, you know, when I'm streaming, um, thinking about the options or the plays, I also rope a lot more. And yeah, the matches, they just like, they, they, they take up too much time. And this would be not, probably not a mode that we could have as normal ranked because like getting in your wins would just like still take more time than it still does for like the pro players. And I think it would be, this would be hell for them. So I like the idea, but it would work, but in a very like specific landscape, let's say. No, that makes sense. I dig that. Um, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Again, um, you know me. I'm all for new formats. So, but this one I can see, I can see why people would avoid it. But I, I would, yeah. I would, apt, I would be very intrigued to see how this, uh, how it would play out. But I do like the concept. Me too, to be honest. I think it will be interesting, interesting to kind of see it. I've always wanted also sideboards in Gwent, like back in the day. But yep. I never managed to convince anybody to 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 implement them into any. Um, any, although I feel like there were some community tournaments in in which uh, back in still like the Gwentleman days, where you were able to have like a sideboard that consisted of three to five cards or something like that, which yeah. we could kind of take into your deck and uh, use them against your opponent. That that's it. Like I always thought that it would be like the video I made was basically the fact that like imagine a deck had, uh, you know, imagine your your game, you had like a twelve provision sideboard. And it's like, yeah. what do you want that 12 provisions to be? Like, do you want it to just be, uh, or like a 14 provisions, let's say, do you want it to be like a, do you want to put in an Eardin in there? Like, you know, that's your whole sideboard, in which case, like, yeah. it's a let, you know, do you want it to be... Or you can, you can, you know, you have, you can have like a squirrel or something that yeah. does some purifying Yeah, play a squirrel, stuff. a purify, yeah. whatever, yeah. and, you know, like... Just to tech against, like, the, the, the things. Some decks, of course, have this built in because they, but sometimes these cards are just unusable they're just fillers yeah. you just mulligan them out hoping to get something better that will yeah. just either be an engine or be something that gives you more points or something that you know you need in a given moment now but these these make sense as as kind of you know the 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 sideboard cards so the thing about it is that if you are implementing a sideboard you 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 feel like you'd have to have a best of three because you play the first game you win or lose you go to the between games one and two where you you manipulate your sideboard. You slam in cards. You, you take them out. If you feel you need a purify or a ba or a, mm -hmm. a banish, you take that out and you're fine and you're good to go. And then you play again. However, 
there like flesh and blood does it where you do have a sideboard but it's only a best of one so how does that work basically the way that flesh and blood does it is when you sit down across from your opponent the only thing you show them is the hero you're playing uh-huh. you say here's the hero i'm playing they present their hero and then you f- you roll to see who goes first and based on that information of i am playing this i'm going first versus them playing this going second you then can manipulate your your deck and put cards in and out based on your 80 card total you can okay. play at minimum 60 and then you go from there. So then it's a best of one and your sideboarding cards, you know, they factor in in that regard. I think that that could actually be something that Gwent does where, you know, you have every every deck has a 15 provision sideboard and you queue into your opponent. Your opponent shows I'm playing Reckless Flurry. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have 60 seconds to bing, bang, boom. This goes in, this goes out. I'm playing against Reckless Flurry. And then you go. And whether you're correct with your assumptions or you're incorrect, you either get paid off or you don't, and then you go from there. And that would be my solution to a sideboard best of one would be that in that same vein of like... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Makes the game more complicated, but it makes sense. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. Plus, you As know, another layer. Well, think about it this way. You go in and you're like, you see somebody queuing in with like a rain and you're thinking, okay, uh-huh. they're going to have Ryogen in the in the graveyard. I'm going to tech in my squirrel. But what if they don't play Ryogen? You know, now your four provision card is kind of useless and yeah. you've made a bad, a poor choice or something like that. Like mind games and, and being able to bluff. That's why in Flesh and Blood, some of the most powerful heroes or some of the most intriguing heroes are the ones that can play two styles without giving away information there's a hero called Lex- yeah there's a hero called lexi and she's like an archer but she can play both control or she can play aggro and you have no idea what she's playing nice. because all you see is the hero but as soon as you make all your sideboard choices then she reveals her equipment and her weapon and you're like oh she's controller oh she's aggro i read this mm-hmm. wrong and then you get punished so that you know, reminds me you need to teach me the game i will teach you the game that is a uh guarantee i know that i i mentioned it but like legit i'm all for it and uh that's that's the plan just find the time we need to find the time because i'm actually interested uh i think it will broaden my horizons oh it's an excellent game uh all right last one mr pavel berger which one to choose from to be honest because we kind of you kind of jumped the uh, i went to the bottom uh, because these two i figured needed to and they plus they were kind of similar so so there is a question that we kind of touched upon here by Javan Javand Beer. <laughs> what will be the best way to support the game monetarily moving forward without new journeys? I have completed them all and have more cosmetics and resources than I can use. Journeys felt like a worthwhile investment in the game, but I'm not sure how I can support the game moving forward. So the best way to support it for sure is is, is esports. Uh, we have these esports bundles that contribute to 50% of the prize pool. So I would say that. Um, bear in mind that the journeys that will be coming back, they will have new quests and they will have new fantasies, which we will be able to obtain. But you're not really supporting us in any way because you've already purchased these journeys. So you'll be able to go back to them and there's no additional investment required from you here. Um, so I would just focus on all the on the on the bundles that we have and all the cool stuff that will be coming out. There will be some stuff uh, this year uh, if you want to drop money on them. So so worry not. There will be there will be a place to do so. Uh, and also, if not, uh, like I said, we're also working on on some new stuff which will be coming out later, most likely next year. So 
hold on tight to your money. Um, there will be ways to spend it for sure. <laughs> I, I think the name is Java and Beer. So like coffee oh, and beer. Oh, Java, Java and Beers. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. I could be wrong, but uh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it makes sense now. You know what? All right, that was quick. Depends and I have nothing to add there. So let's go. Let's just get the last one in. Why not? This one's from El Zap saying, uh, talked a little bit about card games, other card games last uh, last time. Well, we talk about other card games, I think, every time. <laughs> All the time. All the time. It's a card game podcast. Uh, yeah. Gwent is just the overall art Gwent is our, our, our home. Gwent is here, home. Yes. But uh, we, we do travel abroad. We, we do travel abroad, yeah. Um, are there plans to copy a few other things from games uh, like better daily quests, more game modes, stuff like that? If I compare Gwent to Legends of Runeterra directly, while Gwent is a better game at its core, LOR does the fluff around a lot better. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, this is where comparing Gwent to other card games, I think, is totally legit. Because uh -huh. a lot of people compare Gwent to other card games from a gameplay perspective, and I feel like Gwent from a gameplay perspective is a completely different beast. So I find that's a very difficult comparison to make. However, if you're talking about it from just a, like an experience and a mode situation, I, look, I have I have never been shy to say that Gwent is immensely lacking in um, sort of variable, you know, variations of ways to play it. The seasonal mode are interesting i find that they're different ways i i am i have no interest in them at all the draft mode is the most unique way uh, apart from the standard game to play it and i find that that's lacking uh whereas most recently i started diving back into hearthstone and even though i have no interest in in progressing on the standard ladder i've been playing battlegrounds i've been playing mercenaries i've been playing arena i've been playing duels i've been trying a lot of things there's so many different fleshed out and supported modes that are quite unique in their own way with all falling upon the fundamentals of how the game operates and the rules of the game you know different interpretations of how to interact with those rules i feel like gwent just just lacks it's the the problem though when you're saying you know copying a few things from other card games or being inspired from other card games is that gwent can't just lift the rule set of another card game another yeah. mode like battlegrounds or whatever and implement it into gwent because of what i stated earlier which was that the rule set the framework of how gwent is played is in another dimension of what other card games are because there's no life total there's no minion battles or combat as it were uh in that regard there's no mana system you know so you're really looking you know you're saying like okay how can monopoly emulate chess it's like, well, they're two different games with two different rule sets and different, you know, win conditions, etc. So it's hard to make that uh, that equation. The one thing I will say is that they they need to do something. Like Gwent needs to definitely either shore up and and fix the arena mode and make that. That's one thing for sure, dude. <laughs> like I I would. That thing needs just more love. If arena was better, I would stream arena exclusively i am such a limited fan i love standard i love you know constructed but damn it like even when arena started with the first iteration of it i played tons of arena because i wanted uh -huh. to you know like i even put out a challenge can you get 100 wins in you know i don't know how many yeah, runs like that whole thing can you get 100 wins in 10 runs or something or yeah i don't know i forgot the number was but and that to me was motivating. Like, okay, let's set it really high. Let's see what we can do. And people did it, and that was awesome. But that was a different, fun kind of draft mode where 
I don't see that now, and I don't see any other alternative other than just playing the standard, the standard mode. Yeah, yeah. Well, coming back once again, um, please bear in mind that we're still working on Project Golden Necker, which I think that will be something interesting because it's a spinoff. Um, but I feel like it is something that a lot of players will exclusively move towards to and be playing that uh, for their streaming experience. Um, that's one thing. Uh, better daily quests. I feel like it's something that we're trying to improve on. We're trying also to do events which are connected to either seasons or things that are happening within the game. So that is something that um, we will be doing for sure and trying to develop it. I think Journey was also a good step in the right direction when it comes to additional quests, additional vanities and stuff like that. So um, that is, you know, our version of a battle pass, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that was a step in the right direction. And I feel like there's still a lot of good ideas brewing. I don't think like we can go and copy off other games because um, our game is unique in some way, uh, like Flake mentioned. And uh, I also feel like there, we could be doing a little bit more on the on the fluff side. The one thing that always kind of, we're kind of also unhappy when it comes to internally is that we do not have enough time and capacity to uh, work on draft more and make it you know eligible i see everybody's questions and comments saying like oh i wish draft was was more up to date or things in it were fixed or or the packs were improved and kind of the things you 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 get are, are better but we're working on it we're working on it i can tell you that one once there's more time and there's more manpower um and there's less focus on on other bigger things like golden necker for example and we'll be coming back to these for sure and working on those to improve them perfect there you go. Now, before we close the mailbag, I, I did promise somebody on Reddit, Durant, that I would address a, a slight concern, as it were, because there was a uh, I got called out for, for saying that I am um, being exceptionally negative towards people who make custom cards. And I want to address yeah, I this. I saw that comment. I yeah. thought if you're going to actually talk about it or oh, not. No, I will. Absolutely. Of I don't, course you will. Dude, I'm not afraid of... I know having these discussions uh and i'll have them widely open i'm not afraid of listen if we don't answer a question that you ask it's because we don't have time like that's purely the, yeah. the case we have you know we always we bust yes with uh with the watch like yeah no we're up. already gonna get you know we're already gonna this. get it this yeah. one's too long it is too long already we we, we told like the the the, <laughs> the target for these episodes is like an hour 10 and we're already yeah. we we blow past that all the time because we have things to say. But all right, so here's the deal: the, I got called out because I was I was told of, of, of that I was being exceptionally negative and um, targeting um, you know custom card creators and not and and creating a, an environment or, or supporting like a negative outlook of these people and discouraging them from doing what they're doing. Now I don't agree that I'm discouraging them from doing what they're doing. Um, because at I've said it multiple times on this podcast that I would I always encourage people to be creative and to you know be passionate about the game. What I do say and what I I am absolutely not backing up or walking back in any way is that the majority of these card designs are not viable. I'm not saying that to to discourage you or to poo-poo your creativity as it were because i applaud your creativity i encourage it i love it it's great to see but there's two things number one there's constant 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 inundation of custom cards on the subreddit and there's a custom there's a custom gwent subreddit that everybody just ignores <laughs> like yeah. like i i don't 
I, the problem is, is that like, you know, when I scan through Reddit, like once a day for Gwent, just to see like, it's like catching up on headlines as it were to stay relevant, like, you know, to stay up to speed and relevant with what's going on, you know, so I'm not like nothing's going over my head. There's, there's constant, um, you know, besides the Renfrey thing, which like, I get it. I get it. You know, like we get it. It's an open petition. Yeah. Like it's, it's cool. We, we get it. Like it's, but I get it. Like that's, that's the dude's identity now. And the cards that he's created, like, you know, some of them are cool and some of them are not like, it's just, but that's the case for all of them. What I'm saying is that a lot of these cards and there's dozens and dozens a week that get posted. A lot of them come from a position of somebody doesn't like how something is going. So they work to fix it so that it fixed their unique problem without necessarily the grander scheme of seeing how these cards will affect the rest of the meta, the rest of the factions. And, and everybody has a solution to a problem that they specifically have without any regards to how that ripple effect will affect everything else. And I'm not saying that, you know, like I get it. It's like you're a custom card is like having a genie in a bottle and you're saying, I keep losing to Nilfgaard. So rub the lamp and here's a fix. Either nerfing Nilfgaard cards to hell or buffing the, the, the faction that you like so it'll bust up Nilfgaard or whatever. Cards like decks, archetypes, factions have to have, you know, strengths and weaknesses and whatever. There are some fascinating, absolutely beautiful and brilliant cards that people design. And then there are, for every one of those, there's four that are like, okay, I get it. You just hate mill or, okay, I get it. You, you know, you wish that this, this archetype that was popular two or three or four years ago was popular again, you know, like, but how much of that is just based on like an emotional response or a, a very specific situation? And how much of it is just like, no, I balanced this against the other 800 cards in, in the game. And I think that this would be perfectly fine. Like, you know, like, and it's, it has nothing to do with a disdain for, my disdain is just being like, okay, this is the 900th Wild Hunt rework that people have yeah. made. They're all different and they're all, you know, just like, you know, like it, that's. I mean, if you do it for fun and for the passion of the game, do sure. it because that's awesome, but don't expect us to implement these things well, in order to solve your let's say problems yes. but if you do it out of fun and you want to have a discussion around it that's awesome because it's awesome community content it always has been great but don't use it as a way to tell us how to do design or how to well how you feel the game should be fixed right yeah and i know that this is not everybody but again uh yeah the the, the taste that's left in your mouth sometimes and like we got that question didn't we get this question like last week or the week before where somebody's like hey like where can where can I get the respect I deserve for making these cards and like yes. or, you know like that's the person we were addressing that's yeah well we're, but there's like not just, the whole custom card community yeah but like a lot of the times these custom cards are are met with like the kind of you know the kind of 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 push from the community or or some of the sentiment being like cdpr is so stupid why can't they make cards like this or like why aren't they seeing me and hiring me and this and that and it's like you yeah. you deserve or i deserve to have this card in the like there's not saying that's everybody it's a small portion but like that's a lot the of the noise element. that's it there's a lot of noise that comes on the heels of these kinds of things and that's what i'm that's what i'm i'm kind of like giving a reality check to or the people are like yeah i get it you created a card it's cool but like what do you expect it to have other than like maybe 50 upvotes like what 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 entitlement is there to to you as that card's creator do you want 
a medal? Do you want it on a page? Do you want it in the game? We get it, but like that's that's the thing. Like the best thing you can do is get your upvotes and walk away. Like I don't understand the entitlement and and whatnot. Like do do you want a pat on the back? Like yeah, they're cool. They're 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 cool. Like it's there. There's a lot of fascinating designs, but there's a lot of them. Many of them have you know flaws and yeah. it's not on cdpr it's not on us it's not on anybody to be like okay here's here's the issues with the card so let's go back to the drawing board let's rework it because in six months this might be in a in an expansion no that's not that's not the case that's not what's happening so i'm not trying to poo poo this i'm just saying that there's there's this sort of high and mighty entitlement that comes with them sometimes and I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm just saying that there's a 2% of the, of it kind of has this thing. It's like, and, and go look at some of the card designs and the comments that are underneath it and some of the, you know, that sentiment. And like, maybe what put me over the edge was last week, the question that we got where the person was like, give us some respect and what we deserve to get our cards in the game. It's like, why? No. <laughs> like, I like your designs, some of them are very fascinating. They're very cool. But a lot of them or not. But I will never, ever, ever, ever discourage anybody from expressing their creativity and their passion for the game in that regard. Yeah. I'm not. But what I'm trying to do is 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 put a drop of reality into that recipe to say, like, cool. Like, but some of these are ridiculous, and you need to understand that they're just not viable. And that's the point I was trying to make. Because I love creativity, and I love the community. And I'm pretty sure that I have a pretty decent track record of supporting the community and being positive within the community and some may argue otherwise but that's fine you're no, entitled I think, to your opinion i mean based based of your personality and stuff like that like i think we all know that you know if if like in this case it was a comment made towards someone who was who felt like entitled like they should get you know the recognition and respect that they deserve for creating custom cards uh, which is kind of, you know, you're a little bit maybe too 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 full of yourself, uh, like expecting this. But it wasn't against the whole custom card community because we do not like appreciate or see the hard work that you put into it. And that we feel like it's really cool. And uh, yeah, more the power to you in order to do such things because uh, people have healthy discussions around this and it all comes and stems from the passion for, for the game. And uh, everybody loves discussing card abilities and kind of coming up with their own. And I think any card gamer does that. I probably, Flake also has like a million ideas in terms of things that would be cool for Flesh and Blood. I have a million things for uh, MTG, but I would never push this on them and say like, well, where, when are you going to implement my well, ideas? Because yeah. they get millions of these, right? Well, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, like, like you have to understand that posting your thing on Reddit is not a petition to the, it's not a petition to the company. It's not like, yeah, you know, that's not what that is. It's, you know, and what makes you better than the, the, the dude who posted five minutes after you of another wild hunt card, like another wild hunt rework, you know, or another soldier card or another, anti-mill thing or whatever like you know like it's just that's that's the case is like within that i'm not i'm not trying to crap on that community but that community sometimes there are some people within it that you know it's like feel entitled well, too much <laughs> it, it it is and like i'll be first to say it i think i've said it it's like the renfrey dude has put out some really cool stuff and 
but like what's the end game here like you know like like you can tell Once me better. Jeffrey gets added to the game, like that he'll stop. That's that's the end game, right? I guess. But do you think that Renfrey being in the game or not is going to be any? Is going to have any direct co- correlation to him doing this campaign of of posting cards for a year and a half? Yes and no. I mean, we we always mention whenever we're talking about the possibility of Renfrey, we always mention the guy. Okay. Like whenever we do internal talks, sure. So but he if he, he didn't with do his that petition. Is is something there, but Renfrey we would still probably introduce. Okay, that's fine because we have an idea for her. So that's, that's what I'm saying. In, in the same regard, it's like, is me cheering in the crowd going to, you know, affect uh, Cole Caulfield scoring a goal for the Montreal yes. Canadiens? Yes, because the more people are cheering for him, it will, he might hear this cheering and it will, you know, okay, but boost is it, him up. But is his goal perform. not still to score that goal, whether I'm cheering or not? Still is. I Don't guess. That's fine. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you guys, we're going to design a Renfrey anyways. And you've mentioned that it's going to happen. I don't know. Like, these kinds of, like, hunger strike style petitions in my mind, I'm like, I, I get it. Like... It's it's listen. It's passion. It is passion, passion. Is cool. and I will always. And he's making a passion. name for himself. He's known as the Renfrey guy. That's great. And when Renfrey's printed, then what happens? <laughs> well, there's they're gonna there's gonna be another person that finds his or her own agenda. That's it. I, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna start doing a uh, post a custom card every day until a golden plant is uh, is made. That's what I'm gonna do, and we'll see what happens. So. Watch for that. That's coming out. That's gonna be. That's starting today. Just talk to Vlad. Just talk to Vlad. Vlad. Vlad doesn't fast track it. Yeah, fast track it. Trust me. I, if I've been, I've been in the 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 like involved with CDPR for like what five years, four years since like 2018, I think officially 2017 was Challenger. So five years. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there for like four or five, four and a half to five years. Yeah. I don't know any of my uh, suggestions. That have uh, that have ever busted through. And the problem with with yours is that we highly like we never know if to if if you're joking or if you're being serious. That's Dude, that's the one. I'm saying elephants and circus clowns make for a great theme of a tournament. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, you know uh, what? I, I just imagine Aridin with the clown nose. Oh, the for sure. One. All right, you know what? Next episode, screw it. Next episode, I'm just gonna go and read off all of my suggestions and. You can tear through them. That's what we should do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna submit all the Q and A, and we're gonna have the we're gonna have the community answer it. That's what we should have. You oh know? wow! Okay. Yeah. All right. We're like so way over time, and Marcus is gonna crucify us, and that's fine. But yes, yes. Uh, I just have to. We just have to rewatch the beginning of this episode because I already forgot the topic that we wanted. We wanted to. Do to so did I. So did I. I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, we already we already decided on next. Yeah, we topic. already have a topic. So you can't do your list. It's recorded. We'll figure it out. No big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wrap it up for us, uh, Mr. Pavel Berja. All right. All right. Um, Thank you all for watching as always, because yeah, it's, it's cool to sit down with Flake and talk card games. It's always has been, always will be. And yeah, thanks to this, we get to hang out every Wednesday and do this. And so, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for sending in your uh, questions and topics and stuff like that. Keep on coming because, yeah, we want to keep on doing this for as long as possible. That's right. And uh, Pavel, I love you, man. I love you too, man. And remember, you're not losing if you're learning. Love it. All right. We'll see you next time on the Learned Flurza it. Experience. See you later. <laughs>